0: The reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement and that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ, in the name of Paul. I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent, eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power.
1: Last Sunday, we, we read from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth, in verse four of chapter one, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. And we talked about enrichment. We talked about the fact that God continues daily to enrich our lives, to improve our lives, to improve who we are. As individuals, but more so as Christians. In the same chapter, few verses from verse 4 in verse 10, the Apostle Paul says again to the Corinthians, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. The Apostle Paul continues to admonish the people, the the Christians in Corinth. First, he let them know that he's praying for them, thanking God for who they are. But in the church, within the church in Corinth at that time, with all the spiritual gifts that they possess, there was division. There was problem. I remember the story of a little boy who came home after his very first Sunday school class. Mom asked him who his teacher was. The little boy answered, She was a real nice lady. I don't remember her name, but she must have been Jesus' grandmother because she didn't talk about anybody else but Jesus all morning. And my friends, it's obvious that this woman was a devoted teacher a devoted Christian. The questions from this story for us this morning are, are you as devoted to Jesus as this woman in that children's Sunday school class, or is Jesus the focus of our Christian life? Are we as devoted to Jesus? Is Jesus the focus of our Christian life? Because this morning we see with the young children, do you like or don't you like? And all of them liked Jesus. Are you as devoted, a Christian, and is Jesus the focus of our Christian life? The Apostle Paul is in this passage calling on the Corinthians to live up to their identity in Jesus Christ, because if we say we are Christians, we are identified with Jesus Christ. There is no doubt about it. The Apostle Paul is pleading Christians, he says, please focus on Jesus Christ and be united. Focus on Jesus Christ and be united. No doubt we've had the saying, united we stand, divided we, we fall, how important is unity? How important is unity for you? How important is unity among family members? We all have families, we came from families, we are connected. How important is unity among family members? I have a family, it's a a large family of nine biological kids and one adopted kid, so ten of us. One has passed away mid-last year, so it's nine of us. Our mom passed away in 2016, December of 2016. And if there's one regret, I have, and I'm sure all of us have, is the fact that all the kids who are back home in Freetown where my mom was with them are not united. They are not united. Now, when I'm in town and I invite all of them to come around, they all come around. But individually, they can greet each other but they don't visit each other as often as they should. Because somebody said something that this person is not in agreement with, and therefore, you get your side, I get my side. So if there's one regret, after the death of my mom, our mother, is the fact that she didn't bring all of them together to be united as we were, when we were growing up, because when we were growing up, we were very united. We loved each other. We looked out for each other. So how how important is unity among your family members? What if we fight for unity just as sometimes we encourage disunity? Because most times, we don't fight to be united. Think about it. What is our preference? Unity or division? I'm pretty sure most of us will go for unity. We want to be united. Do you know, my friends, that unity among Christian believers is a big deal in the Bible? Unity among Christian believers is a big deal in the Bible. Jesus Christ prayed for the unity of his followers in the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, before he went to the cross. That was really his last major prayer in John chapter 17. For the unity of his followers, the disciples then and his disciples now, before he went to the cross, he prayed that we be united. But sadly, in the Corinthian church, disunity was a visible sign stated by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what Paul says. For it has been reported to me that there are quarrels among you, what i mean is that each of you says i belong to paul or i belong to apollos or i belong to cephas which is peter or i belong to christ then paul asks the question in verse 13 as christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? And you can go on. Was Apollos crucified for you? Was Cephas crucified for you? In other words, Paul was saying, there is one focus in the church. And that focus is Is Jesus Christ. Everything we do is centered on Jesus Christ. In verse 10, he appeals to them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not Apollos, not Cephas, not Paul. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we realize that the name of Jesus is the only name that makes the Corinthian Christians one, united. Just like it is the only name that unites us, Church of the Cross, United Methodist members. And therefore, when Paul a- later asks, were you baptized into the name of Paul? The obvious answer is No. We were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Thus, my friends, the very basis of his admonition, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ carries with it the diagnosis of their problem and its solution. The problem is that they are claiming other people's name as their identity markers. I'm for Paul. I'm for Peter, Cephas. I'm for Apollos. That's the problem. The church was divided. The solution is to be united in their common identity. And what is the common identity? Jesus the Christ. That's the solution to the problem. It was John Wesley who once said, I want the old Christ for my Savior. I want the old Bible for my book. And I want the old church. For my fellowship and the whole world for my mission John Wesley did not say I want a divided Christ he says I want the complete
0: Christ
1: he did not say I want a divided Bible he says I want the whole Bible he did not say I want a divided church he said I want the whole church the universal church, the Catholic church, because that's what that word means, the universal church. He did not say, I want a divided mission field. He says, but the whole mission field. Here John Wesley was talking about the unity we should be talking about. And let's make no mistake in in proclaiming this truth. If there is one thing, more than another required in the church of god today it is that we present a united front to the enemy a united front because the church will never exist without enemies the enemy is there ready to divide the church of jesus christ and if there is one thing The church should require today, my friends, it is that we present a united front to the enemy. United, not divided. Once there was a farmer, he had five sons. And these five kids were very selfish. They are always quarreling by that we are, not as kids, but as adults. So this farmer was worried about these five sons of his. He was in his, on his deathbed. And he wanted to teach them a lesson. He advised them to live in unity. But they didn't care They didn't care. So he asked his servant to bring a bundle of sticks. Then he called his sons one by one and asked them to break the bundle of sticks. But no one could do that. Then he ordered the servant to untie the bundle. Now, each one of his sons could break the individual stick easily. The dad then advised his sons to live like a bundle of sticks. Because if you live like a bundle of sticks, no one is going to break you. No one is going to divide you. The sons, from that moment, promised To be united, to be one. My friends, unity in the church does not imply uniformity. It does not mean that all Christians will think alike. It does not mean that all of us will do the same thing. But unity in the church is very important. And so within the united methodist church because i cannot talk about unity without talking about what's going on in our united methodist denomination within the united methodist church today we now talk about a church divided divided into traditionalist divided into progressives divided into centrists and a few more division but we need to realize that church unity does not mean uniformity. Rather, it does imply a common purpose and an interdependence within the body of Jesus Christ. We, as Christians, and more so as United Methodists, are called to be united. I was reading an interview with Bishop O. And in response to a speech at the World Methodist Conference recently, Dr. Campbell, the presenter, asked the audience to pray for the United Methodist Church and offer its counsel and other support. After the address, Bishop O, Bishop O used to be the Bishop of West Ohio Conference, and I think he served us for about three quadrennions uh, before he went to Minnesota now. And Bishop O approached Dr. Campbell to counter the view that the denomination, United Methodists, can't hold together. And he said this He says, I think it's far more helpful and also far more faithful to assume that God's imagination is greater than our impoverished imagination. And that if we surrender to that, we might discover ways to be together that might look different, but nonetheless continue and affirm our unity. And and, And I believe that. God's imagination is far greater than our impoverished imagination. And if we continue to hold on to God's imagination, better days are coming. Better days are coming. My friends, I believe that this is where the denomination is heading with the proposed protocol of reconciliation and grace through separation because that's the, that's the document that came out not too long ago. The document that people will study, look at all the ramifications, and bring it together into something that will be presented at General Conference in May. The point in our passage from the Apostle Paul is this. Is Christ divided? That's the point. Is Christ divided? In the first century of the Christian church, through prayer and through preaching of the Word, the church, it was said, was turning the world upside down. I'm sure you've heard that. The first century people they were turning the world upside down but in the 21st century our century Christians are not turning the world upside down they seem to be turning the scripture upside down my friends as we talk about church unity we must realize that harmonious relationship in our homes and in the church will not happen automatically no it doesn't it doesn't happen automatically at some point your feelings will get hurt or you will hurt someone else's feelings there's no doubt about it I mean we do that all the time there will be disagreement sometimes over difficult issues there will be personality clashes when someone gets on your nerves There will be different preferences and sometimes over minor issues. You've heard of churches where there have been division just because of the color of the carpet. I mean, those things exist. To resolve these problems, we must understand how important unity is to our Lord Jesus Christ. We must understand that unity isn't easy. I mean, if you have a family that is united, somebody worked on that. The grandparents or the great-grandparents or the parents worked on that for that family to be united. Unity isn't easy. (coughs) Most of us love those with whom we disagree. We're like the the, the poet who wrote these words. To dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. Listen again. To dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story, he says. That's another story. And that's what we go through every time we talk about unity. How united are we in our homes, with family members, with our friends, the circle of friends we have? Again, it's not uniformity, it's just unity. We come together as Christians. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one church, and one Christ. That's who we are. A long time ago, a little boy in an African village wandered off into the woods, could not be found. Now, here, we will put the amber alert so that everybody knows. But in an African village, There is no way to have a, an amber a lot, okay? This boy wandered off. People searched all day for this boy but could not find the little boy. And you know how devastating that would be for the parents. The next day, the people of the village gathered together, held hands, and walked through the woods together. holding hands, searching for this boy. And this enabled them to find the boy. But due to the cold night, he did not survive. He did not survive. In a anguish and with tears, the mother of the boy cried out, if only we would have held hands sooner. If only we would have held hands sooner. My friends, what if we hold hands to avoid family disunity? What if every time we meet we hold hands to show that we love each other? What if we hold hands to avoid disunity in most places we find ourselves? And what if we hold hands as a denomination to demonstrate our love for Jesus Christ? Christian unity is determined by whether we love one another and whether we reflect the love of God in Christ for the world that God has created. Unity or disunity... They will know us by our love. And so this morning, we, we go home thinking about the church in Corinth. Listening to the exhortation or admonition from the Apostle Paul. And we answer this question, in your mind, is Jesus Christ divided? And if we're able to answer that question, my friends, we will know that in the church or within the church, even Jesus prayed for the unity of his disciples. Check your family members and see if there's disunity. And let me tell you, you can take the first step to bring them together. I do that every time I'm back home taking the first step to bring my brothers and sisters together. And hopefully, hopefully, when I'm done with active ministry, I can stay longer and do more work with them or with us so that we can be more united as a family. You could do the same, my friends. You could do the same. You could take that first step You could start it. You could say to them, as the scripture says, a little child shall lead them. You can be that little child and lead members of your family. Not to disunity, but to be united and to be united in Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the United Methodist people of God say, Amen.